Welcome to The Serve, the place where you get the tools and inspiration you need to get you to where you want to be. It's your girl Christelle. And Bev. And Susie. And this is The Serve. Today's guest is Eden Hagos. She's the founder of Black Foodie, a media and events company that's your go-to place for food, culture, through a black lens. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I love The Serve. Hey. hey. <laughs> so how we typically start off our episodes is we start with some icebreakers. So okay. they're fun, lighthearted questions. Don't be, don't feel pressured. But like, they're just really easy for you to just play with, okay? Okay. So first question, what would you have for your last supper? Um, I, you know what, I've been asked this question a few times, so I'm prepared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have uh, Dorowet. Um, it's an Ethiopian Eritrean dish with uh, chicken and boiled egg, and it's spicy and delicious, and it takes a long time to make, and it's got to be somebody you love making it, so very that's why. Very true. Nice. Very true. Do you like it with the egg or not the egg? With the egg. I used to, you know, fight with my sister on the plate to get the egg. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love it. Okay, okay, cool. And if you could handpick a chef to cook you a meal, who would that chef be? Oh, uh, hands down right now would be Marcus Samuelson because he is... Um, if you don't know about him, look him up. He's an Ethiopian chef um, that owns a couple of restaurants and has just had an incredible career. And uh, the interesting thing about him is he was adopted by um, a Swedish family. So he he grew up in Sweden. Like he um, literally like left during the famine, and he connected with his roots later in his life. And so I can I can relate to his story because mm-hmm. I also I didn't come from that, but like even though my parents are you know they came from. Ethiopia and like an Eritrea beforehand um, I didn't grow up there you know like I had to I felt kind of like an outsider in the culture mm-hmm. so um, I can relate to Marcus in that like learning his culture and learning the food and stuff yeah, yeah. Mm. Dope. Um, so if you two more questions so if you could go for coffee to pick someone's brain who would it be and why um, Oh, there's so many people. <laughs> but one them of them, yeah. let's say. If it could be one person, um, I think, I don't want to be cliche and say Oprah, because everybody's going to say Oprah. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't? Okay, no. but okay, so I'm going to say Oprah. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because she, she built this like media empire, mm-hmm. and she's so good at telling stories. And, um, and that's something I want to do with Black Foodie. And she... When you look at like her old interviews, mm-hmm. you can see this confidence that is like contagious. Like I, re- I saw one clip where an, um, a reporter was asking her like, you know, what are you going to do if this doesn't succeed? And she's like, oh, I'm still going to be successful. Like I know like with my like work ethic or whatever. She, she had this like great explanation and um, I loved it because he was basically saying like, mm-hmm. you're going to fail. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, no, I'm going to be good regardless yeah. of what yeah. you think. And I like that energy. Amazing. Yeah. And which type of food are you curious to try but you haven't tasted yet? Brazilian food. I want to go to Brazil. I'm like so like if somebody's oh. out there and want to take me, <laughs> please, please take me. But um yeah, I, I I've heard so much about how like West African cuisine has like you know um, traveled with uh, Africans in the Caribbean mm-hmm. and in the South of the U.S. Um, and uh, especially about the food in Brazil, like right. there are things there that are even named um, similar to what they're named in Ghana really? and Nigeria. Yeah. yeah, and so I would love to like 
do like this whole like food tour going to West Africa and then like exploring how that affected foods in Brazil. in Brazil, yeah, and the rest of the Caribbean, of course. Nice. That's interesting. Well, That's that would super dope. Yeah. lead me to my next. I mean, I guess you kind of answered it, but your favorite destination that you haven't been to yet, beside Brazil, since you've given that up already. Um, a place that I haven't been to. Um, this is gonna be another like random one, but I would like to go to South Carolina. And hopefully hey. I will in the next year. There's nothing yeah. random, girl. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because um, I, I heard so much about um, Gullah cuisine, and it's yes. this... Gullah cuisine? Yes. yes. Okay, so you know what I'm saying. I Is do. That... Elaborate. <laughs> Hello? Okay, okay, so it's um, basically, uh, you know, African Americans, like, slave masters tried to do everything to, like, strip them of their culture, but they were, you know, a resilient right. people, mm-hmm. and they kept... You know, parts of it, they made the best out of, like, the scraps and, like, made it flavorful mm-hmm. and, like, soul food came about. But um, there was these islands off of, I think, South Carolina. I might be messing this up, but they're, mm-hmm. they were able to retain more of their culture mm-hmm. because they were... Um, there was they, a dock there. There was, exactly. And they didn't um, get sold into slavery, like, elsewhere. Um, so they mm-hmm. they stay together. Anyways, they have like a different accent. They have their own like ways of cooking food yeah. and rice. It's a whole and like stuff. community of itself. Exactly. And I thought there are some people that I I've connected with online who um, explore this food, and they they're part of that community. And I just thought that was so cool that they were able to like keep their roots. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Hmm. That's really dope. That is really dope. Now I want to go. Right. So what kind of food is it? Like, give me an example of a dish that's, like, out of the ordinary. You, you know what? I couldn't because I haven't tried it yet. I, I could tell you who to look up online. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, there's a, a, a chef. Her name is um, Cardia, Cardia, I think. And uh, her... I think her Instagram name is Cardi's Cuisine. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys the link so you can put it into your uh, <laughs> description. Yeah. Um, but she does that. And then there's another chef whose name I can't remember, but I can give it to you afterwards. Okay. Because they're the experts in that, and so I'd like to, like... That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. My last question is, given that it's going to be summertime soon and the weather's nice, what's your favorite thing to do in the summertime? Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's good. Festival hopping. I love festivals. I love, like, going to Afrofest and, like, Essence Fest and, um, you know, just seeing, like, black people outside, enjoying good food, enjoying good music. Um, and usually these festivals, like at least the ones in Toronto, a lot of them are free. So yeah. it's like really great place to also have like mini reunions yeah. that we have in two years. Um, so yeah, the summertime is great, especially in this city for mm-hmm. festivals. That's true. There usually is a festival like every weekend. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You could st- you make, you know, it's great for people who need a staycation. When you can't, you know, afford to go out of town, you can like travel in, in the city. Afrofest is a great place to travel the world without actually traveling the world. Yup. And nice. reconnect with everybody you want to see <laughs> and you don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is very true. Mm-hmm. So leading into, you know, um, the conversation. So, you know, we know how Black Fruity started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've seen you. Do we? I don't know how it oh, started. Oh, you don't know? Okay, sorry. Well, maybe can so, you share with everyone? Yes, can yeah. you share with everyone how Black Fruity started? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, uh, you know, I studied sociology in school. Like I had no like formal background in food at all, and uh, <laughs> so it's not like a typical like decision to do. But um, I uh, was celebrating my birthday, and basically 
um, just had like a horrible experience because the staff was racist. Like it was clear mm-hmm. we weren't welcome, we didn't belong. And I left and I was super embarrassed and like just like, I felt like powerless in that moment. I knew that it wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. And so I did what, you know, like a lot of other young people do. Like I posted on my, uh, my social media and then people just started messaging me and they had had similar experiences and it's interesting because right now like the the news is really reporting um a lot about what's going on like whether it's in in starbucks or at a downtown Downtown asian Asian restaurant um like it's clear black people experience racism in the food industry um but as i was like you know like looking online um trying to find out like what i could do um, I realized I hadn't even like thought to go to an African or Caribbean restaurant. It, I didn't really know of many. And then I thought back to all the times as a kid that I was like embarrassed by my Ethiopian food. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is my parents, like my family actually, they owned an Ethiopian restaurant in Windsor wow. in the 90s. Yeah. So like I grew up with it. My grandma sold injera, which is a flatbread that you eat, you know, Ethiopian food with and Eritrean food and all her sons. So my uncles, they were the like the ones delivering it to the to the um uh the stores the stores yeah Yeah. like the convenience stores across the city and i used to like watch them bag the injera and uh, my dad used to go drop it off so i was like really a part of like a family of food hustlers Mm -hmm. but i i I still have that family food hustlers hustlers, i like (laughs) yeah yeah like they all hustled right like my grandma didn't go to school but she found you know she made her own business from her kitchen and she employed her sons you know (laughs) so like she's like She was creating opportunities and she was giving people a taste of home in the 90s. Shout out to grandma. Yeah, right? Yeah. Shout out to grandma. So um, anyways, I came from that and there was still this shame and I still like and that bugged me and I I wanted to change that. And so I started Black Foodie to like provide this resource to like explore food, um, you know, our restaurants, our chefs and tell stories um, like the one of my grandma um, to people. So, yeah, that's why I started. So basically started based on a bad experience and you just flipped it and you made it your own and you're kind of giving people good experiences about different Exactly, yeah. Like restaurants. I tried to transform something negative into something positive positive. that would really help other people like me um, connect with their roots. Because like food, um, it's just such like a powerful way of connecting with people. It really like can bring back memories. Mm -hmm. It can like help you learn about other cultures. Um, It also like feeds people literally like it's their business and mm-hmm. that might you know you going to that restaurant might be helping you know a young Habesha kid go to college because mm-hmm. you know she's supporting her son that the restaurant owner so it I, I feel like food is such a great way to connect and we need it yeah we need it you can't, you can't <laughs> avoid it you gotta eat yeah. every day right so master yeah so one thing that I, I noticed that's pretty interesting for me is because you know you're simultaneously like you're referring to being Habesha but as well as black as well right which is you know some people feel that's one of the same some people feel that's you know there's a difference mm-hmm. um but you chose to call your business black foodie not habisha foodie was that like a an intentional decision uh yeah for sure because i didn't um i i didn't want it to be something that just I, like i knew there were other people of that of african descent and caribbean descent who had experienced something like me mm-hmm. it wasn't just like a uniquely ethiopian or eritrean experience right. you know being black and being ashamed of your culture that that's you know mm-hmm. universal because 
we live in a racist society, right? right. And so I, I wanted to provide an outlet for other people like me. Plus, I was curious. Like, I, I was very familiar with Ethiopian food, but I, you know, I hadn't even tried plantains, I don't think, till I came to Toronto. Yeah. Like, so I was in my 20s when I tried plantains. That's crazy. That's, like, the yeah. best food ever. So um, <laughs> um, I, I wanted to, like, learn more about this other, these other um, communities nice what so what what how did you start it off like so it's black foodie and you would interview business like chefs or how did you kind of start off like the platform um so i started with a uh a website on squarespace because they need to sponsor this podcast advertising right? over here thank right? you um because i didn't know anything about websites domain names social mm-hmm. media like i I used it personally, but it wasn't something like I was act that active on. Um, so I, I started with Squarespace, and then um, I ended up getting a different, like a WordPress account, and having a friend teach me how to, mm-hmm. you know, use it. And um, and then I just started going to events that had black chefs mm-hmm. and um, trying restaurants in the in the city. And you just um, cover like your yeah. experience there. And it, it wasn't like a maybe I should go back a little bit I, I didn't just go like oh my god this is a racist experience boom I'm gonna have this website I like I legit just started going to um, African restaurants and Caribbean restaurants in the city and that's when I started talking to people and that's where I was like oh, okay let me make let this let me website. make this yeah so it wasn't like an immediate decision it was just I wanted to explore this food now and then black foodie came about um, and it just started online, like as a blog. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I like reached out to contributors, people right. who were also passionate about food and black. And um, I got to connect with really cool um, uh, celebrity chefs that were African American and um, just doing cool things. And they also supported by like sharing what I was doing. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty dope. Um, it's interesting because you took a bad experience and turned it into a um, positive. A lot of people would have just shut down and just wrote a bad review and keep it moving. Yeah. But you switched it and then you started Injera and Chill. You started um, also the Jala 4 that we were talking about. Elaborate, how did you transition from going to write, from going to writing about your experiences about these different restaurants to starting different ventures? What, was, what were the challenges going to these different ventures as well? Shifting. Yeah. Um... I think like the first thing was, it wasn't intentional. Like it was just like I knew I wanted to create a website, and then like, oh my god, I can't just it can't, it can't just be my ideas. Like I mm-hmm. I need to find out what like my Ghanaian friend thinks. Like mm-hmm. what was her experience, mm-hmm. or like my cousin who's Habisha too, but she grew up in D.C. So I, I was like just trying to connect with people in person to see what they wanted to read about and what like events I should know about, and then um, my cousin like posted a picture of me on Instagram and was like black foodie meetup at <laughs> like one Nigerian restaurant in Washington DC and then like a bunch of people came and like no way yeah it was it was actually pretty cool I should have posted about it but it was just before I like it wasn't really an intentional yeah. decision um but they were all like so excited some of them were black and vegan for health reasons others were like really into like Rastafarianism mm-hmm. um one was like a Howard student who like knew about all these black owned restaurants and bakeries and he brought me like pastries from some. So it was just cool to see like how people connected mm-hmm. with this theme and concept. Um, so that's how I started with meetups. Meetups okay. and then um, from that 
um, I did like the first ginger and chill at a restaurant and it was packed like we didn't even have enough seats so she was getting seats from the next door restaurant <laughs> so, so I, I knew like oh okay people want to see this and um, yeah yeah and and then when I did that somebody that was following me on Instagram in England hit me up and was like this is so dope um, I wish it was here and I happened to be going on a family trip to no <laughs> to the UK, yeah. And so I, um, I was like, "Yo, this is crazy! Like, I'm going there, you know." And he's like, "Okay, let's make this happen." And so we did a little meetup in um, the UK. In the UK, yeah, at this really dope Eritrean restaurant called uh, that I can't remember right now. <laughs> I'll find out the name. But it was just cool to see like how um, you know Ethiopian and Eritrean food is. Uh, shown across like cultures like in Italy I went to an Eritrean restaurant that was um uh, that was where my dad used to go back in the day Mm -hmm. um and that's where a bunch of the Ethiop like people that were coming from like Asmara um were supporting the troops back home so like part of the profits went to like the fight the fight for freedom Mm -hmm. and that's where my dad went to like connect with friends and and chill because he missed his food um, so he took me to that restaurant. It had like moved, but it was still on the same street. And there was like all these like Ethiopian and Eritrean owned businesses in this section of Rome. And they'd been like, I think that restaurant had been there for over 30 years. So it was wow. cool to just see like, whoa, like I the was circle. just, yeah, the circle. Like you, you think you're just like learning about food, but I learned about my dad, about his yeah. like, how he immigrated. I learned about like, you know, my culture and it, it was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. And Jura and Chill is like international, literally. Yeah, no, it, it really is. The funny thing is, is like, I used to, I remember I, I traveled a lot with my parents when I was young, and mm-hmm. I always thought it was so corny that my dad wanted to go to an Eritrean restaurant or an Ethiopian restaurant every city that we went to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now because I'm the same way. It's like, oh, we're in a different city. Well, let's see if they have some Pepper restaurants. Look it up, and then yeah. we'll just go. Like, when I was in Seattle, we found a couple, went there. Um, like, it's, it's just so funny how, like, you, like, Especially us, and I think um, we find it, we probably follow from our parents because our parents left, you know, Eritrea and Ethiopia, and they're just trying to find like little pockets of home. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that goes for everybody, like whether you're West African, whether you're Caribbean, like you, you, when you're living in a country where it's not predominantly your people, you're like, you're just trying to find home. So it's like, mm-hmm. I think that's a really, I think that's what maybe is the pull for Black Foodie, even for those who are like, okay, I, I want a lot of rice, like, but I've just moved here and I don't know anybody here and I don't know any restaurants. and what's a good place to go so yeah that's a huge like you found like a like a, a void market. and then yeah, yeah and now you're like able to really deliver to that that's amazing thank you did you think it was gonna be this like point. what it is now when you first started it uh i'm gonna answer like oprah on this question there you and go. honestly i thought it was gonna be bigger and i think we still have a lot to do and we will get bigger okay. so i i think i knew because of the testimony like not testimonies but like the stories other people were telling me that they could relate and it just like struck a chord like they were like yeah you know what i threw out my school lunch too because i don't want to look like too african or whatever or like i was crazy like a a jamaican girl was telling me she would like be embarrassed by like getting oxtail in her thermos and stuff and i was so shocked because it seems like I was like, well, Jamaican food, I feel like you guys have crossed over, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but back when she was in school in the 90s, it, it didn't. Yeah. So um, I, I knew that there was something there, but I think um, I know there's more work to do. And um, now it requires more strategy, more focus, and like being more diligent in order to go from something um, that is like fun to something that's like global yeah. and like and profitable. 
So speaking of that, what is what are some of the things that you have in mind in terms of how you'd like to grow your company? Um, good question. <laughs> I want to. There are several streams. I think it, it, like now I just gotta focus and choose one. Yeah. But um, when it comes to our video content, we I'll, I'll share one success story. Um, we did this recipe video with a caterer in Montreal, and she was like. Um, really talented but struggling to like market her business mm-hmm. and she showed us this recipe for soup jumu. Oh, it's, I'm you know? Haitian. Oh, you're Haitian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. That makes sense. It's a Montreal yeah, connection. Exactly. Okay. That's dope. I spend a lot of time <laughs> with Haitians. <laughs> um, I love Haitian food. But uh, anyway, so she showed us soup jumu. So you know this very well. Can you tell us about this dish? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Absolutely. So basically soup jumu is like a traditional dish that's celebrated we usually eat it january 1st mm-hmm. and it was a celebration that once after the revolution and the slaves revolted back that was kind of like a way it was like a traditional thing to eat on january 1st and it was to kind of mark and celebrate our mm-hmm. independence nice. so basically it's a dish it has squash um different vegetables potatoes. it's delicious yeah it's potatoes so yeah meat. i've had it uh, it's really it's good. It's so oh, good. Yeah. yeah, and like there's different ways of making it, but like the base of it is definitely squash, potatoes, meat, uh, different vegetables, mm-hmm. and it's very savory. Yeah, it, yes. it is. It's so mm-hmm. it's so delicious, and it's to, to me it was like such a powerful recipe because it was like a symbol of like black resistance. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know, like Haiti was like, uh uh-uh, uh, French, like we're gonna go, you know, yeah. Yeah. we're gonna have our freedom, and they won, and they defeated them, and like what I had heard is that. This soup, um, like the slave masters, didn't allow them to try. To try it exactly, right? and so this was like their like f you moment. Like we've won, this is our food. We're gonna cook it <laughs> exactly. And the fact that hundreds of years later, you're still you know you know this yeah. is is crazy. Um, so there's a mem- I have a team, and one of the team members is Haitian. Okay. And uh, she told me she's like I gr- she grew up in Canada. Okay. Um, so her friends used to like tell her she's not Haitian enough. Like she couldn't really speak Creole. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd never been. But the one thing that connected her to her culture, to her home, was yeah. food. Like no matter what, she yeah. had you know pickles and griot and yeah. all these like these dishes that were Haitian like she had a Haitian ass lunch yeah. so I, I think I think that's why you know I think many of us can yeah, yeah. yeah those that, are true right it, it, it's gonna bring you back home so mm-hmm. she showed us this recipe and then like it went viral right and uh, it got like tons of views and it ended up having like a reach of over a million and um yeah and so like this lady's phone was going off the hook Sophia the Haitian caterer um now uh, she got over thirty thousand dollars in contracts and international press from that video. Wow! Yeah. So like this, it was like a, a game changer in her business. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I was and for like, for you guys too. Yeah, for us too. Yeah, like our following went up. Like, and then like people were messaging us, and 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 plus we learned a lot. Like, right. yeah, there was so much that came out of that recipe video. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, anyways, it just showed me how powerful video content mm-hmm. is, and um, and that's something like I want to revisit. Because I, I, I want to create more of that content to like grow our audience and then also help these businesses. And then in in that time, like when we were like doing some of these like DIY videos, um, production companies reached out. They were interested in what we were doing um, and like wanted to like uh, develop and sell a show. And um, yeah, but the thing is with that industry, like you don't... There have been several times where I thought we were on the cusp of something and like yeah. nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So um, now I feel like I I want to like control. 
control it. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I think I was being a little pa- a bit passive about yeah. it before. Like, I hope somebody comes and discovers me. And, like, I hope yeah. somebody yeah. comes and discovers Black Foodie and what this means. And, like, now I, I'd like to just, like, be more diligent and produce it on my own. Yeah. You know, because we have, like, so many talented Black creatives and, yeah. like, we can... Especially the yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So... I think that's, that's so amazing because I think also, like, I, I feel like what plays a part in terms of the full appeal about it, especially in today's market, is that, I mean, food is just a central part of culture, right? So yeah. essence of culture is like language, music, food. Mm-hmm. And with in today's society, I feel like a lot of black youth like us are trying to make sure we stay in touch and reconnect with our history. So by mm-hmm. the recipe videos and by covering these different chefs or whatever, it allows A, the legacy of those recipes to stay alive mm-hmm. and be passed on. And B, it kind of just like allows us to be like unified and celebrate our history. That's true. Because food is such a. Because think about it, if we're if already we don't speak our own languages yeah. properly, yeah. what yeah. connects us to our culture? Yeah, you know, you're not speaking the language that yeah. well. You're not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Food is like the and already it's kind of being westernized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's such a an important element. So that's super dope. That's Very true. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So that's one part. Like you know really being diligent about the video Video and content and either developing a show that we can sell or developing a show that we can have brand sponsors um, on board. Um, And then um, taking these events that have been a success like Endure and Chill and Jollof Wars or our Caribbean doubles versus patties, um, like these food competitions and day parties. Double versus patties. Yeah. Uh, I saw that and I was like, I know about the student. I should have been there. Girl, you're onto something. Oh, thank double you. Double versus patties is Girl, this is good. Yeah, so if you haven't had a double, a double is um, a, a trini, trini street food. It's mm. in a curried chickpeas so good. Um, in this like fried dough. It's delicious. It's so so it's amazing. Bomb. Yeah, Literally it's doubles all day. Yeah. This yeah. one you know, so sorry, sorry no, to jump in here, but the first time I was ever introduced to doubles, I was actually working at, at my current job, but we were... Um, that's the first me. time we're introduced first to doubles. First time I introduced, but this is, but take it in. So the reason why we're introduced to du- the reason why I was introduced to doubles is because you know, this is when you know we had enough black people in our office, and I was so grateful. So my manager at the my first manager at the time was Jamaican, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people on our team were vegetarian, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, well I'm gonna bring in food for everybody as like a you know just kind of like you know just like loosen us mm-hmm. up, and it was summertime. It's like let's have some a great team lunch or whatever. So he's like, I'm not going to bring patties because people are vegetarian. And so he's like, you know what, I'll just bring some doubles. So I'm thinking, what, what are doubles? And he looked at me like, child, where have you lived? <laughs> no, seriously, no, where seriously, have you lived? But I, I grew up in London. Yeah, we didn't really, have, we didn't have yeah. West Indian restaurants like that in London. Like, so I'm like, I've never had a, a double. And to be honest, I, I just get like rice and peas and some plantain and like some veggies. Like when I go to Caribbean restaurants oh. here, right? I'm not familiar. I, I was never raised with it. Yeah. Nor did I, I wasn't very close with anybody in London because we, yeah. it's London, right? Yeah. Anyway, so he brings in the doubles and I had one and then I looked at him like, can I have more? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I fell in love with doubles yeah. at that moment. I remember the very first time. I, I loved it. Same. So good. So it's good. so good. It's life changing, man. It is. Especially if you get like, um, for our doubles versus patties, we worked with this um, like up and coming caterer who was like definitely straight from Trinidad, and she made it the way like her mom made it, and mm. she made her own um, I don't know is this like cucumber uh, 
chutney thing. It was like spicy, but like sour. It, it was delicious, but it added this crunch on top and our own tamarind sauce. It's so good. And the crazy thing about both doubles and patties are um, they're both like so cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, you, they're things that like really fill you up and mm-hmm. like, um, and, but they also like bring you back too. Like, so I, anyways, we did doubles versus patties. And of course, um, yeah, it, it was, it was great. It's cool that you're connecting like all these different cultures and like you're making it into like an event, like a, a celebration. Mm-hmm. And like, you would never think of oh, and chill. Like I would never thought of that. Like I would have never thought of putting a double and, um, Double versus Patty. Like, I would have never... First of all, their doubles is yeah. from Trinidad and Patty's from Jamaica. So it's like, you're mixing up these cultures. It's like you're freestyling. You're like doing a remix. With, uh, I think it's dope. Honestly, black food is just dope all around. It so, is. But my question to you is that I'm a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian for the past year and a half. Oh, congrats. So now... Yeah, so it was challenging at first. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't easy, but it's <laughs> yeah. dope. So now... I, now that I feel like it's becoming a sort of like a thing it's cool to be vegetarian it's cool to be vegan mm-hmm. have you shifted your like the way you choose restaurants or like have you catered to vegetarians like what are your thoughts about that and first of all what do you think about people just choosing, ch- choosing to be vegan for you know whether it's um health reasons or personals or whatever just sometimes yeah too. um well I'm not, I'm going to start by saying I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian, <laughs> but I do feel like maybe in the future I will be. Um, I try to eat more of it. Oh, um, really? Maybe. Because, I mean, I, I know that, like, you can have a lot of delicious, flavorful options that are filling that are vegan and, or, and vegetarian. Like, I have, I'm not one of those people that needs to be convinced. It's more so that because of Black Foodie, like, you want to try. Everything, of you course. Know, everything, yeah. right? And I don't want to, like... Especially if you go to Brazil. Exactly, yourself. right? Yeah. yeah. And some of the, like, cultural foods, they are, like, very much, like, stews that are hearty yeah. and have meat in it. And I don't want to, like, close myself off from that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be... Um, I'm going to blame it on Black Foodie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the cool thing is I, like, I read this cookbook called Afro-Vegan. Yes. You know about it by I Brian do, Terry? Yeah. It's, is it so good? So good. Like, tell, okay, why do you think it's good? I think it's good. Okay, so at first, when I first got the book, some of the recipes, I was like, eh, just reading it, I was like, I don't know if this is really going to taste good, <laughs> yeah. right? But what's great in the book is that he divides it up by, like, spices, the specific, like, first you got to get, like, all these different spices, and then he has, like, soups, different broths, and, and like, the different um, meals that you can make. And to my surprise, like, a lot of them were so delicious. And what's good is that he takes different... So, like, I'm Haitian, right? So, Haiti has, like, our unique... Like, every culture has their unique spices (laughs) that they use for their dishes. Mm -hmm. So, some of the spices, I wasn't familiar with cooking with some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But he uses, like, different African spices, Caribbean spices, and, like... Infuses it. Makes, like, a gumbo. And, like, (laughs) it's just... No, it's really good because he's really tapping into all, like... Afrocentric cultures, yeah, Yeah, the diaspora, the African diaspora, and the Caribbean diaspora, and like fusing that into like vegan food because that's the whole thing with why they were saying maybe it's difficult, not difficult, but the hesitance between like for Black people to go vegan was like, oh, where's gonna be the flavor in our in our food? And I feel like Terry, he did such an amazing job at making that happen. Yeah, and it was deep. Like that was the first time that I was reading about like the fact that like a lot of like African foods are. There, there are like a lot of vegetarian cuisines that come, yeah. um, that come from our roots, and uh, he tied it into like health and how mm-hmm. you know there are many um, lifestyle related um, 
health issues in the African-American community like diabetes and, mm-hmm. heart and heart disease and how this can, our diet can help us like, you know, prevent this. And so for him, like being vegan is political. Like it's yeah. literally about like mm-hmm. saving people. Yeah. And um, as somebody, I have a, had a contributor um, who was black and vegan who like decided to do this because, because of that. Like she went vegan and was hoping she could change her family and their eating habits and show them like, yeah, you can live a great life, still enjoy food and mm-hmm. discomfort and not put yourself at risk for diabetes mm-hmm. and not like have to eat these like really like um, mm-hmm. these foods every day that are going to, you know, kill you at some point. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So and then there's also too like Rastafarians who have like really great like mm-hmm. Korean vegan mm-hmm. food. And then there's Ethiopians and Eritreans who literally eat vegan because of their right. um, religious fasting yeah. and yeah. stuff. So I, because of Black Foodie, I started to recognize like, oh wait, it is a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just never like really yeah. put a title into it and yeah. it wasn't like something that was promoted in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Do you feel like with Black culture, I, I mean, maybe, I, I wouldn't know cross um, cross borders, but especially with like, um, like Habishas, Eritreans and Ethiopians, yeah. that meat is like a symbol of like wealth. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, is that, do you find that common amongst all, like, areas that you're, you're experiencing? Um, I'm going to say I don't know. Like, I don't know if, I, if that's what it is in other communities, but I, I know, like, what I recently went back home to Ethiopia, and I definitely got that sense yeah. that, <laughs> that, like, when they were taking me out, that it was like they wanted me to have meat. meat. And I had one aunt, um, like, the first time I went back home, no matter what restaurant we went to, her order was steak. Like, like across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, was, I wondered why, because, like, you know, there's a lot of, like, flavorful Ethiopian dishes. Um, you don't only have I mean, meat is more expensive. Yeah, so, it, yes, it yeah. is, I guess, a sign of... It's a status thing. It's yeah. a status yeah. thing, you yeah. know. It's like... Like, so we have a, um, a dish called shura, and it's grounded-up chickpeas, okay. right? And everyone, like, back home associates that with, like, oh, that's, like, poor people food. Yeah. But it's honestly one of the best things you can eat. It's so yep. delicious. No, it's like really everybody nice. here loves shuttle. Like right. it's simple to make. It's super easy. It's delicious. It's yummy. It's everything. Mm-hmm. Like filling. give it to, yeah, yeah filling. And it's like and when I went back home, I was shocked. Everyone's like, I'm like, oh, I want shuttle. And everyone's like, no, 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 sweetie. Like we're gonna get you like don't hold, like we're gonna get you like a chicken. Like you know. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. I want I want shuttle. Like and yeah. everyone's like, what's wrong with this girl? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I didn't realize until I was like, I was around like seven when I went and I was like, why is everybody having me eat meat? Like, I, cause I wasn't big on meat from young. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm like, I'll have a nugget, but like, I don't care for the whole chicken. But yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't, and it wasn't until I was like that age where I was like, oh, so this is like a status thing. Like, mm. oh, okay. Now I'll have the, the show. <laughs> That's true. Actually, I just remember now when you were saying that, like I, I was at, um, back home for a wedding and they brought a cow, like a whole entire cow live. to the house, a live cow. <laughs> like I woke up because my sister was like pushing me like, Eden, come on, Eden, look at this, look at this. <laughs> and I went out and it was literally on the porch. Like they had a rope tying it to the porch and the, <laughs> my cousins poor were cow. like, the poor cow that had I'm like. Noticed. She's gonna, she's about to be sacrificed. Yeah. <laughs> Not Sometimes at all. I know, you know, so the animals. They, no, I honestly, I felt like that cow knew. Yeah, like a lot he of these animals know. Know. No, facts. A lot of these animals know. They, they know it. They know. He wanted to escape. And like my cousins <laughs> who are like nine, ten years old were just poking fun. And it was so like, oh, like that's normal. Yeah. Like they yeah. know exactly what they're eating. And so I was posting this on my Instagram and Black Foodie Instagram. And I was like, hey, interviewing these, my cousins <laughs> who are ten. <laughs> and I was like, do you feel guilty? Like 
you know, because, you know, you, they don't look at it as a pet. And he's like, no, we kill him and we eat him. And so, <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. And, like, Ethiopians and Eritreans, like, they use, like, every cut of yeah. that yeah. meat. Like, everything is going to be in some sort of a yeah. food. It's actually very impressive when you yeah, see it. Tongue, like, they don't waste everything. it. Yeah. They don't waste it at all. They um, did that when I went back home, too. It was the same thing. I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. I, I saw it. It was alive. I literally took a nap, came back. There's blood everywhere. I'm like, what happened? Like, yep. what just happened? I'm like, poor girl. I'm like, I'm not eating this. What just happened? <laughs> no, yeah, fact, it's crazy, but it's. I think it is a sign of wealth, to be honest with you, because not everybody could afford to go buy a whole cow, no. like a yeah. full goat. The, the like, cow, that, I think that was something special because it was a wedding, but like yeah. the, the lamb, the that lamb. I think is more like, common. you know, common for holidays. Yeah. And um, so the funny thing is... And I, chicken. And chicken, yeah. But when I was in Windsor, Ontario, there's like a lot of farms around there. That's mm-hmm. where I grew up. Um, any, anytime there was a holiday... you go go to the farm? Yeah, yeah, we'd go to the farm and my dad would take me and my sister and we'd go and we'd choose a oh, lamb. Yeah. And it was so fun for us. And then, you know, they, they skin it or whatever. And yeah. it would be in the kitchen of my grandma's house and all my aunts would cut up like every piece. Yeah. And me and my sister played this game like poking the eyeball. Be like, oh, it's eager to poke it. Like, and, and so it's so funny. Like, <laughs> I think we just grew up with it too. Yeah. We were like, hey, yeah, this is our food. You know, yeah. it wasn't necessarily a pet. Yeah, we never. Why did we? I had a very different experience. Oh my gosh. Oh really? Yeah, I I couldn't. I seen them kill one chicken, and I didn't even see it. Actually, I lied. I didn't even see it. They had it in the house for a few days. Yeah. And then just um, here. I just here with my friend, but it's because I had I was like an only child. Like at the time, I had no cousins my age, nothing, right? So the chicken naturally became my friend. So I remember my aunt. They're like, hey, take her out, whatever. Like my aunt took me out for a day, the whole day, whatever. Great. Next thing you know, for dinner, guess what we're having? A pidoro. Like, yeah. but I didn't put two. I'm like six, so I didn't put two together. I'm just thinking, you go to the store, you buy the chicken, it comes in plastic. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. No. So my uncle was feeding me, and he was like. Oh, and I'm like, I kept asking, like, where's, where's my friend? Where's my friend? Where's my friend? And my, my dad told everybody, don't tell her that we're eating the chicken, okay? Just <laughs> say he left, he ran away, something. So I'm like, guys, my, my uncle, he was like, probably like late 20s, early 30s at the time. He was getting so annoyed by me. He was like, listen, you're eating her. Here, here. And like, he's like, open your mouth. And I was like, what? And just from then on, I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. You don't eat chicken? It, anything with a bone where I can know the physical shape of the animal, I can't eat to this day. I can have like a patty, like give me like a like a chicken nugget or like yeah. a yeah burger, but mm, no wings, mm, can't do it. Oh I mean, don't all eat around it. I can't do it. So, it's is there anything that you would not try? Like, given that you have to be open to try different things. Yeah, that's a question, Susan. Man, I know this is gonna be unpopular, <laughs> but and I I do try it now because I feel like I just need to be open minded, but. I'm not big on pork, like just because I I also I didn't grow up on it like you know a it's lot not in our culture it's not in our culture like a lot of East Africans they just don't eat pork mm-hmm. and so um it's really like hard for me to like order a pork dish mm-hmm. like intentionally but if if somebody like has it prepared for me yeah I'll try it and and I'm not gonna lie some of the stuff I do like like I like ribs and mm-hmm. I like um yeah some of these like Caribbean stews like I had a mm-hmm. uh, like griot's pork, right? Griot, yeah, yeah. griot. It's pork. A lot of Haitian food has pork, mm-hmm. I feel like, in it. So, yeah, I had to get over that quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious to know, so kind of going back to how you actually started when you were sharing with us your story, yeah. how has it been for you? Because, you know, you kind of got, I feel like you were, like, passionate about the cause and started this initiative, but now for you being an entrepreneur, how has that been for you and what challenges have you faced? Um... 
A lot. Like, I mean, you got to, like, learn how to negotiate, mm -hmm. how to manage a team, how to shamelessly promote, um, and how to fail publicly. Like, mm -hmm. you know, yesterday I actually was in a pitch competition, and I did not win <laughs> at all. And it was, uh, it was like new for me because I'm used to public speaking and I feel like I'm used to sharing my story but it's been the first time that I was pitching and saying like this is why you need to invest right. in my company and um, so that was big like I was like oh man I need to learn how to fail in front of a hundred people in front of a thousand people and like keep it moving mm -hmm. and like after that I went and I like talked to some of the judges and was like okay what can I do to do better because mm -hmm. I know this is not my last one exactly so I guess like as an entrepreneur just like learning like okay even if you know it's you don't get what you'd like that time like mm -hmm. being willing to improve and see what you need to do better um, with black foodie you know I've there have been several times where people come and ask me like so do you do catering and like hey can you cater my thing and <laughs> I'm like no I'm not a chef I'm, I'm not a caterer um, but I think that just shows me that I need to be more clear in my offerings right. that you know like I have events and I can show you where to get a caterer right. but um, I'm not necessarily the chef myself mm -hmm. you know so um, your question was the challenges of being yeah. an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, and then like just grinding when there's not money around, like, yeah. you know, finding a way to like get sponsors and sell tickets and, uh, you know, sell ads and like being, being willing to um, put yourself out there mm -hmm. and get no's. Uh, and I've gotten lots of no's. For sure. But the yeses are starting to come, so that's good. That's yeah. great. That's really good. So what, um, so for anyone who'd be interested that may be looking to, to Black Foodie to get involved within like um, entrepreneurship, within the food industry, um, or outside with some tips of advice that you would provide? Um, so if, if they're like specifically like um, looking to be a caterer or a mm -hmm. personal chef or like open their own restaurant, um, my advice to them is to like see if there's a market for that, like host pop-up events. Mm -hmm. um, to you know post what they're doing online on their social media like start doing if their goal is to be um you know a huge caterer like do personal chef um work and and see if like people are enjoying your foods um but then to also like do the math as well mm -hmm. because rest there's it's a really tough business you mm -hmm. know a lot of restaurants fail mm -hmm. um there are a lot of places that i went to in toronto that aren't around anymore wow. you know just like in the last two years and and it's it's tough so like understanding that you know you're gonna need more than just passion mm -hmm. but like you know some savings yeah. and a good business plan and clients mm -hmm. and that hustle like of getting clients it's not just enough to cook well mm -hmm. you need to know that you're gonna get orders mm -hmm. and um, the other tip I would give to them is that um, there's so much marketing potential like at your fingertips on your phone mm -hmm. um, I've seen and met chefs who built like an incredible following got like celebrity clients now and opened up restaurants mm -hmm. and they've done this through like shamelessly promoting themselves online and and not just like shameless like you know buy my thing buy my thing but like really showing like this is what i'm doing in the kitchen this is why my food is delicious showing beautiful images um people eat with their eyes and mm -hmm. yeah like keep that in mind so to any young chef or caterer hustling to grow their business um start with what you got Excellent advice. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Why not? So, for anyone who, um, I mean, for the very few people 
that haven't already been following you, but <laughs> want to follow you, Thanks. where can they find you? Where can they try to contact you to try to get, uh, get involved in your events and get updated? Sure. Um, so they can follow me on uh, Instagram at blackfoodie.co. They can find my website at blackfoodie.co. And um, for my Instagram, my personal Instagram account, it's Eden the Foodie, and um, it's the same on uh, Facebook, I believe, as well. So please reach out. I'm hosting events, and then personally, I also do like um, this is separate than Black Foodie, but I host food tours, and I host um, not host um I do food writing as well. So oh, like if that's great. People are interested no. in seeing, yeah, if they're interested in seeing that work that's not necessarily on Black Foodie, mm-hmm. um, I'd love to, for them to follow me on online. Awesome. So we'll definitely keep all of your handles on this week's episode on theserve.ca. So anyone who is um, wanting to reach out to Eden, you guys can even send us some emails. We can forward them off to her at info at theserve.ca. You can follow us on Twitter at theserve and on Instagram at theserve.ca. So pretty much at theserve.ca for everything. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks. This was amazing. I love it. Had a really good.